Hello, everybody, and welcome to this very special episode of Silhouette Zero, because today is September 21st, 2022, the premiere of Star Wars Andor, and so, therefore, we must talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes, because if nothing, we are cutting edge in recent. Um, now, talking about <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi by myself would be extremely boring, so I have brought along a special guest. It's the one, the only Professor Sports himself, Nick Watanabe. Nick, uh, hi. Professor Societal Prisons to you. <laughs> no, no one's going to understand that unless they're on the Discord. <laughs> well, they should be on the Discord. Why are you not on the Discord? Seriously, <laughs> get on it right now. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Nick, you, our chat with Star Wars Visions was so fun. I just decided, like, it was time to keep that train rolling on Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, because there's so much going on in, in Kenobi that I was like wondering what you thought about, particularly when we get to lightsaber stuff. But, um, you know, I have then, thoughts. I, I'm sure you, uh, it's, that's what I want to hear. So, um, you know, I know that this is a sort of medium warm take on, uh, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi considering it's been out for about three months now, but you know what, whatever, we're going to go for it. So, um, I guess the first thing we're going to talk about is, did you want this? Oh, that's a, that's a tough question. Cause do I want Ewan McGregor playing Obi-Wan Kenobi? Yes. Is this the series that I thought we would get? No. And there's a couple things I think that sort of, uh, I guess were exciting and disappointing. Um, I think the first thing was that if, I don't know if people remember, but, uh, Stephen Dowdry was originally the person who was supposed to be leading the Kenobi project. Um, for those of you who don't know him, he's probably most famous now for the crown, but he also did, uh, a lot of theater in the UK. Um, the movie, um, what is it? <laughs> is it my left foot? And uh, he has a he has a number of very good drama pieces that he's done, and I've always mm. been a big fan. So when it was he was going to do Kenobi, I was really excited. And then it seems he fell off the project. But then Deborah Cho came out. I was like, well, she's done a really good job too. So hopefully, this is going to be exciting. Mm. Yeah, I don't. I think that was probably pretty much my reaction to obviously like of the acting in the prequel trilogy uh, i think ewan mcgregor is the only one that did anything good mm -hmm. although sometimes people give ian mcdermott crap for his performance as like too cartoon villainy but i actually think his palpatine performance is pretty good i agree with that i mean what what do you want it's it it's it's the Emperor Palpatine, right? It's going to come off somewhat cartoony villain, and we know that because of the person who's writing this. Yeah, and I think the the fact that there was a delineation between Chancellor Palpatine in his political form, you know, and you get to see that slow merge into the single entity, I, I thought that all worked out pretty well. So, you know, those two acting performances are probably the best in that whole 
movie series. Um, but I am not a huge fan of filling in the gaps in general. You know, we don't need to see every second between episode three and episode four, which seems to be like the intended methodology for some of this Disney stuff. It's like, let's fill in the entire timeline. And um, I mean, we're not going to talk about Andor, but it does feel like Andor is part of that, right? Because it's five years before the Battle of Yavin. So let's add in even more in there. Yeah. And that's again, like another thing. Yeah, it's definitely on that same track and it's not my favorite thing. It's like, okay, I, you know, Cassie and Andor is a fine character in a movie that I get crap about all the time. Cause I only thought rogue one was okay. <laughs> um, but I had no interest in being like, Oh, I wonder how Andor got to be so bitter. Like, I don't really care how it got to be that bitter. Um, so whatever. I mean, I'm probably going to watch it. I haven't watched it yet, but I, you know, whatever. So, yeah, I mean, when coming into this, I had really low expectations that that is my general um, approach to all things Star Wars these days because it just keeps me happier. Yeah, I mean, I think we all have to sort of choose what we want to watch at this point. It's not the case where everybody wants to watch everything or agrees with everything. So I think it's sort of a choose what you want approach in Star Wars now. Um, personally, I will watch Andor. I started on the treadmill this morning, but it's not like, uh, you know, the olden days where I would binge through everything like immediately i was like oh i got through a episode and a half i can watch again on friday when i run some more yeah there you go although i have to say like once once obi-wan started i was like oh man is it wednesday yet <laughs> like once it got going it did hook me but up leading up to it, I was not one of those fanboys that was like, "Yeah, we're gonna get old Obi Wan back doing that stuff." I was like, "Ah, you know, this could have not been made, and I would have been fine with it." Although I think overall, my feelings have changed. So let's talk about Obi Wan, the man himself, um, and then just in general his arc. Um, it has been pointed out to me uh, by someone in the Discord, and I can't remember who, so sorry about that. That the six episode arc does mirror the six original movies mm. um in structure um including i think most notably uh obi-wan getting his butt kicked in episode three you know and the parallel of obi-wan getting partially immolated while well, that was the episode where anakin got you know pop tarted <laughs> extra crispy yeah and then sort of the confrontational final duel where Vader loses is the same thing you see in, you know, episode six in Return of the Jedi. So there's like a parallelism there, which I, I appreciate. Um, I I overall liked it. Um, you know, it starts off with Obi-Wan being broken. Um, a hollow shell of a man who is just basically trying to hide and survive. And... In my opinion, disconnected from the Force. I don't know if you think that, but I definitely think he has disconnected himself. 
Oh, I think that was pretty clear. I was sure he was cutting himself off from the force, especially we as we progress through, we see he's he's rusty. Yeah. And I just I was struck by how interesting and maybe brave a choice that was considering how much flack people got for it for doing that to Luke in the last Jedi. Mm, yeah. Uh, but I guess we knew already that this guy had to appear in the desert as a crazy old man in a couple years. So, well, that's true, <laughs> right? We sort of had the we had we had the end point already. So it was sort of just okay. Well, what crazy desert adventures does he have? Uh, though I guess before we go too much further, like how the how the heck has the Empire not found him? <laughs> like. Like, let's think of all the stuff that basically gets hap- that filled in, right? We're talking about, okay, there's all this stuff on Tatooine. We have Inquisitors running around blowing up the Lars family homestead. We also, don't forget from um, Rebels, we also have the Darth Maul, Obi-Wan Kenobi duel in the desert. It's like, yep. what's going on? How have you not figured this out? Like, like the local residents, like, oh, yep, there's another lightsaber battle in the desert. Oh, got to go fix the moisture evaporator. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think there is sort of a uh, if Book of Boba Fett and The Mandalorian have shown us anything, there's definitely sort of like a rural, like keep your nose in your own business attitude to parts of Tatooine. <laughs> I mean, it almost feels like. Maybe there's some kind of uh, genetic disorder on tattooing that just makes it so people don't hear anything or I don't know what, <laughs> but it's like it's at a whole different level. I mean, I know the state of your business stuff, but it just seems almost like a ridiculous level. Like, let's put everything on tattooing. Yeah, although I, I, I unpopular opinion, I actually like tattooing a lot, so I'm always like down when they go back. <laughs> Like, I like tattooing, but I mean, come on, Tashi Station, right? And power converters, which is a sandwich, by the way, in my opinion. Um, I forgot about that. Right? Luke was going to get power converters, which is actually a sandwich at Tashi Station. That is my theory, and I will uphold that till the end of time. Um, But I think, like, did we need to have open? All Obi-Wan, all of these things happen on Tatooine. I mean, we're literally having the Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, Obi-Wan. It's almost like, uh, you know, there's some kind of cartel or monopoly with Sand and Disney, and they've got it featured enough times. Yeah, I know. And that's what everybody says, but I don't care. I really like Tatooine, (laughs) and I don't mind how many times I go. Tatooine and desert, I mean, this is a whole other discussion for another time, but it actually left a very strong imprint on me, I think, as a as a creator. Oftentimes, when I'm writing things, I find that I always make the desert people, like, good guys. We, we see that a lot in science fiction, right? Yeah. And and also, though, I mean, I, I live near deserts, so, <laughs> like... Uh, I've spent a lot of time driving through those deserts on family vacation. So I think that's sort of just like, you know, staring out the window, thinking of things. Tatooine was always on the mind. So that's just, you know, I think there's just like a correlation there. 
So anyway, when, so when you're driving the family out to vacation out towards Palm Springs or somewhere, you're just sitting there going, "Yeah, it's just like Tatooine. I can see the, I can see the 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 Jawas and all of it." Yeah, well, because because in particular, growing up, um, and now we're getting really off topic, but uh, <laughs> my parents have a cabin in Utah, and so we would drive from LA through Vegas Ugh. into Utah. And so you're going across the desert, which hits up Tatooine, and then you end up in the forest, which looked like Endor. <laughs> um, and then depending on the time of year, there'd be snow, which you got your hoff. So I was like, you know, I was kind of living the three major biomes. Yeah, I lived in Illinois. We were all in cornfields. So yeah, not a Star Wars biome there. Ah, see? So you missed out. I did. Tragic childhood for Nick. It was. Did not get to live in the biomes of Star Wars and pretend they were actually there. Yeah, but my dad spent my early childhood trying to convince me he really was Darth Vader. So it uh, <laughs> evens out. <laughs> uh, okay, so Obi-Wan, you know, he's very survival focused. Um, I enjoyed the process of watching him trying to rediscover his skills. Um, you know, he, he's definitely become a lot more street smart in his time. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we're talking, you know, guys who just ran around on Coruscant. Now he's like really understanding how to survive and, and which way I'll say it is the real world. Yeah. Lying, cheating, blasters, bribery. Like he knows how to operate it. And it's not like he's stumbling through it. He's like, no, no, I get how this works now. Yeah, I mean, it's it is survival for him. And I think one thing we don't see is he's probably actually already been through a lot to get to this point. And that's maybe something I wish we'd actually seen. I wish this wasn't just such a short time period. Mm -hmm. I wish we'd actually sort of seen sort of a little bit more of the evolution of how he got to where he was when the series begins. Yeah. Although, you know, we do see him steal that slice of, so I could never settle on this. Did it look more like a big old slice of salmon to you or a big old slice of steak? Oh, this is like, it, yeah, I like, it seemed like it was more meat to me, but oh, yeah. this is going to sound terrible. I'm going to get your podcast and, angry email but like i lived in japan so i've seen it at the store before it looked almost like whale <laughs> and that's the end of the podcast thank you very much send all complaints to matt who is in charge of all of this we're reading his script right now <laughs> i mean it, the creature did have whale-like features so maybe you're right yeah, I would I would not eat that. It looks exactly like the whale that sits sits in some of the really weird grocery stores in Japan. I was like, nope, nope. Um, yeah. So, you know, he's he's a lot more street smart, but as circumstances sort of dictate, he has to start pulling out old powers. You know, there's the scene where he's trying to grab Leia from midair and it looks like it's the hardest thing he's ever done in his entire life. When it should be like a piece of cake, like when we think about him, like, say, in the Clone Wars. 
Yeah. Or even the end of a series where he's like doing a rock barrage, right? Like, oh, yes. Like, yeah. Catching one girl should be relatively child's play. But, you know, to me, it was like, I not only did he have to reconnect with the force, then he had to command it. Um, which, you know, reminded me of the scene where Luke reconnects with the force and it's like such a dramatic thing for him to do. He wasn't even really doing anything else at the same time. Yeah. And he, he certainly wasn't being shot at. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I get the, the, the strain and intensity, such a good, good moment. And then, you know, him trying to <laughs> flail around with his lightsaber after 10 years of not using it. And can I say that's pretty actually realistic? Um, I had a 10 year blank in Kendo where I didn't really practice for 10 years. Oh, and it's just like that. You're like, holy cow, what am I doing? What is this sword? Oh my gosh, don't hit myself. <laughs> Try to hit the other person. Oh my gosh, I'm such an idiot. Oh, it's so terrible. Oh, they're trying to kill me at the same time. This is bad, right? And all that inner monologue happens within like, you know, three seconds. That's really interesting. I, you know, I feel like... I mean, and this is part of the reasons why why I like talking to you about this stuff because we're both we've both had martial arts training. Um, I haven't really actively actively trained with another person in in years, although you know I I keep some of the skills tuned. But I will say that the few times I've gotten the staff out to do like the twirl drill, like the twirling drills, I have whacked myself in the shin, <laughs> which was very much like a white belt thing like when i first started it i'm like hitting my shins all the time and then now i'm like really i'm hitting myself in the shin again like how did how did this happen so that is interesting um and i i think in particular i like there's that i think is it episode is it four where there is yeah episode four when she he's rescuing uh leia from the facility mm -hmm. and he's remembering how to like deflect the blaster bolts although he's not really like reflecting them back anymore oh yeah he's just like sort of batting them around yeah and then you can see like he cuts a guy down and then does like a very deliberate like twirl um you know it's the first sort of flourishy twirl he he does in the series and it's like it, it almost looks like a very intentional like form one sort of thing oh you know, yeah like this was the very basic lightsaber moves he learned as a youngling and he's like okay i have to go back to basics right now but i mean that's again very realistic because like what's the very first thing you do when you come back after a long streak of being out of like kendo is you literally do the basics it's footwork straight strikes you know, just literally basic strike to the hand, basic strike to the head, moving forward, moving backward. That's about it. So, you know, it, it entirely seems logical to me that progression of how he's basically remembering everything he knows, but is trying to recapture that muscle memory of using a sword. Yeah. And I, I just I really enjoyed how it played out. I think he, um, you know he has to hold back the water with the force you know that seems kind of like okay he's got more control and more power but he's obviously kind of brute forcing that there's no finesse in in how he's handling that moment although it's it's kind of tricky to to gauge something like finesse because i feel like the 
the portrayal of the force never really shows us really fine control. Uh, I, have, I do have a theory about that, but we did see it in the movies. <laughs> You're going to love this one is when Anakin is feeding Padme at their oh, special God. dinner oh, at the lake. <laughs> With the, the most computer animated fruit of all time. Yes. Floating through the air. <laughs> and then she just like bites into it. Like it's like, it's made out of pudding. Like it's just like <laughs> no resistance, no awkwardness. It's just like, Oh, <laughs> like, that is uh, Naboo apples. My friend that are soft and perfectly pliable. They're basically custard. Yes. <laughs> custard in a, in a very thin membrane. <laughs> How do you know that that wasn't, you know, this new molecular cuisine where they can hold basic gels inside a sack that basically gives the moment you eat it, right? That's one of these new cutting edge techniques. How do you know they weren't doing that? And that's what the Uh. chef actually prepared. (laughs) Okay, George Lucas, trying to justify your bad animation. Um, And then I think uh, just like to close up Obi-Wan here uh, as a character, you know, I think the the character arc of going from like sort of desperation and, you know, despondence to the pain of realizing Anakin's still alive to sort of accepting and like the loss of Anakin entirely and that it it wasn't really his fault. Um, And then, you know, being getting to the point of Accepting what has to be done next, I thought was all really well done, really well acted um, by all parties involved. And I think Leia's involvement in that was really, really good. Oh, I it was I think Leia was amazingly well done. And I think we'll talk about that here in a second. But I do think that with the timeline time frame they were given and what they needed to accomplish with this series, I think it did a pretty good job with it. Hello there. Anakin, my allegiance is to the Republic, to democracy. Yeah. So let's talk about Leia. Um, I'm going to admit something. The minute I saw Alderaan, I felt like a massive idiot. Um, because when they were talking about, oh, Obi-Wan, what's there's you know, there's going to be a story and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what possible reason would Obi-Wan have to leave Tatooine? <laughs> oh, I'm like, I can't think of one good story where this will make sense. And then they show all the I'm like, I'm a freaking idiot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> of course, that would be the one reason he would leave Tatooine. I, I always thought that they could lure him off with the Vader, Anakin aspects or some of the stuff we saw in the Clone Wars where we know that um, people were being held, you know, in these quote unquote prisons that were Jedi and, you know, the call to get one of them or something like that could lure uh-huh. him. But yeah, I think Leia is the obvious answer. And I think I think they did a good job of demonstrating that Leia would is re- literally probably the only thing that would have gotten him off that because yes, you know the Grand Inquisitor has his whole monologue that it's easy to catch the Jedi because they give themselves away by their compassion or whatever. Um, 
And Obi-Wan really like, don't give a crap. That other Jedi's like, help me. He's like, nah, dude. <laughs> like, cool story. Uh, go walk <laughs> that way. I never yeah. saw you. You put that lightsaber in the ground and you keep walking, buddy. Like, that's <laughs> your only hope out of this. Um, So, you know, obviously Leia being the, the target is a strong choice. I feel like the little actress they picked for her was amazing. Um. The way they wrote her, I thought was really, really good. Uh, it, it's a good portrayal of the, like, the balance of her royalty, but her need for adventure, but also like the pain she feels of being adopted and not knowing the, her true lineage and still wanting to know that. Um, it was just a very well written young Leia, which if you had told me like, oh, there's going to be a young Leia, I would have immediately gone like, oh God, that's going to be horrible. Mm, you know, I'm going to just come out and say it. I think she was the high point of this series. Mm. Like in my mind, she is what like that. I think she had amazing chemistry and we really saw her do a, an amazing job. And the, and the way I sort of framed this was, I don't know if you've read like some of the books from E.K. Johnston, who's written like uh, Queen's Shadow, Queen's Peril, basically sort of uh, talking about the uh, about Padme through her life. And oh, no, I, I haven't, I haven't. and I think there's also a couple ones like um, that also discuss uh, Leia's earlier life. Um, obviously, after this series, but. When I watched this, I felt like it just it sort of matched that ethos very well. And I think that if you look at that continuity, they actually have a really good job on who this person is. Yeah, I I, I that's that's cool that, that, that they did that, because I think sometimes Padme. I mean, Padme was kind of done dirty in the prequels. Um, they tried really hard to show her as like a strong character. I think episode two, ironically, is her best showing. Even though like she's falling in love with this like very borderline creepy dude. (laughs) (laughs) Borderline. Um, yeah, it's like, uh, dude, I, I don't know what's, what's going on with you, but like, is this your bad boy phase? I don't know. Um, and then. I think when the Clone Wars came around, they tried to overcompensate. Um, and they made Padme maybe a little bit too infallible. Mm. You know, like there's no the, her flaws are like she's too, too disciplined, too ethical too like, you know what I mean? Um yeah, like, and I think yeah. What we see in the cartoons is she's basically like there to keep Anakin in check. Or uh, yeah, and if if a an episode does happen to be about her, it's always like, oh, she solves all the problems and like had all the was ethically right all the time, and then when it comes down to oh, the separatists are going to fight us anyway, then she's going to handle her blaster just fine, and you know, win the day. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I I just think that when a character becomes too overcorrected in the other way, it, it just 
just as bad as the original mistake that it was. Yeah, it loses um, depth. Yeah. Whereas Leia here is very, very nuanced as a kid. I mean, you're still getting the willfulness, the sense of adventure, the don't tell me what to do. But there's still moments where she makes mistakes, where she's scared, where she's sad, um, where she's impatient in a way that like kids are exactly impatient. Um, you know, and then picky in a way that both kids and like, you know, some spoiled royalty would be like, I want those gloves. I want that cape. Like I want, <laughs> you know, I want to see this thing. And you're like, no, no, focus, focus on what we're doing. Yeah. So I, I very well written, I, you know, and it could have very easily been that Leia was nothing but the MacGuffin, the thing that Obi-Wan was supposed to retrieve, but she was so critical for him, like to figure out, like to deal with his guilt and pain of Anakin because he, he can't do that with Luke, right? Like Owen is like, no, you stay away from Luke, but this is the first time he's actually got to interact with one of Anakin's children. Yes. And and sort of get that healing from her. Yeah, and I think it's a critical aspect because, I mean, without that, that it's really just missing, right? He, he needs to go through this path, and I think that sort of even makes him more staunch in guarding Luke. Yeah, and, you know, there's a line in there. Where Obi-Wan's like, you know, if anybody asks, we're farmers from Tall, and you're my daughter. And she's like, grand granddaughter, more more like yes. it, you know? <laughs> like she's burning. But yeah, it's a great it's a great moment for that, but it's also like very accurate, in my opinion. Cause I think even though, you know, the famous line is, You were my brother, Anakin. Like, really, he's his son, you know? Like yeah. He raised him. And Anakin says that. I think it's in the same movie, right? Like, you were the closest thing I ever had to a father. You know? Is it father? Um, Brother? I'm trying to remember now. No, like, Anakin calls him a father at some point. I don't remember if it was episode three or episode two. But he does say it. Like, you're the closest thing I ever had to a father. And so, like, in, in a lot of ways... You know, Obi-Wan is literally, or, you know, kind of Leia's actual grandfather, you know? And to me, there was a lot of very strong, like, grandfather-granddaughter vibes going on here. Um, You know, you're the you're the guy that raised my dad, and so, like, now you're taking care of me, and you're trying to do things that maybe echoed what he did with Anakin when he was that age, right? Mm-hmm. Um... And now looking back, like, well, that didn't work with Anakin. Maybe I got to do this differently, which I think is like a common thing amongst <laughs> grandparents is like, oh, I kind of screwed that up the first time. But now this time would be nicer, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Are you observing that firsthand? Uh, no. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I think I think grandparents just get to uh, they get to be fun because they don't have to take them home at the end of the day. Yes. So I don't know, overall loved Leia. Thought she was great. And uh I think you're right. I think she's among the high points of this whole series. 
wish we could have more of her, but I also don't really want them to try to do that because they'll probably just wreck it. So <laughs> don't make a Leia series, guys. Don't do it. Yeah. Okay. Anything more on Leia or shall we move to? I mean, you, after what you just said, I'm afraid they're going to have the Leia version of the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Now, hold on. <laughs> The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles is an amazing series. <laughs> but think about if they try to do that today. Uh, uh, They're going to yeah. try too hard to fit it in the lore, to do all the fan service, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's true. And actually, one of the reasons that the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles is so good is just because it's like a really fun way to learn history. Yes. <laughs> And you can't really do that in Star Wars. Like, there's nothing historical we need to learn, so forget it. Yeah, I mean, forget don't it. Don't you remember when Indiana Jones was running around with Pancho Villa? And that's a uh, those are my least favorite episodes, actually, the <laughs> Pancho Villa episodes. Uh, although I do, I mean, Remy in that in that episode is hilarious because it's a Belgian man fighting in the Mexican Revolution. <laughs> With a ridiculous, like, you know, Pancho Villa-like outfit. <laughs> and then Remy's like, ah, there's a world war going on. I'm going back home to fight for Belgium. <laughs> and then Indy's like, yeah, I guess I'll go. Like, I wasn't even supposed to be in Mexico. I was down here for spring break. And, oh, yeah, sure, I'll go fight in World War One. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, Jedi lightsabers and Jedi Tai Chi. Oh. I was surprised they went that angle. So, the, you know, beginning of the first episode, you see some younglings being trained up. Um, and by the way, I completely called that Reva was one of those younglings, like, pretty much right away. Yeah, that seemed obvious. Um, but it's the first time we really seen the Jedi... Um, seem to in intentionally dedicate any time to hand-to-hand -to -hand martial arts training, I think. I can't really remember them doing it in the Clone Wars. No, you don't get it other than the, what is that, the Gennady Tarkovsky one that's with uh, Mace Window beating up all the droids with his oh, hands. Yeah. Which that is a really cool scene. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, anime style levels of force control. Um, but anyway, yeah, so I thought that was pretty interesting. I think it kind of makes sense. Um, you know, I've done Tai Chi. And I could see it being used. You know, one of the things about Tai Chi is that it is often called moving meditation, basically, right? Like, and so instead of sitting in the lotus position you are trying to meditate while performing these moves that you have memorized um so i could see it being like oh, this is another way that help you clear your mind and connect to the force yeah um i mean have you seen the keanu Reeves movie uh man of tai chi the the 
What what is it called? Keanu Reeves has a movie he directed and starred in called Man of Tai Chi. Uh no, I have not. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's basically like this underground fighting ring and this Tai Chi master gets recruited in to basically be part of it. And so he beats the crap out of people with Tai Chi. That's hilarious. It's a terrible movie. It is absolutely trash. But when I was in Qatar, they showed it like twice a week and there was only like five (laughs) English channels. So I've watched it like seven times. (laughs) I mean, Tai Chi does have combat applications. Um, Yes. And I don't know how much you know about Tai Chi, so I don't want to overexplain. But are you familiar with like push hands? Yes. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, push hands is essentially like one of the like two-person Tai Chi drills where you're kind of pushing, you're doing this motion back and forth in a circle, essentially. You're so you got your wrists together and you're going back and forth in this circle. And then you're trying to just feel the weight and energy of the other person. And then when you think you can push them off balance, you give them a shove. And, you know, you're supposed to, if you're doing it right, you will not fall over. You just kind of redirect that force and shove it back, basically, which is why, you know, water bending in Avatar is, mm-hmm. is based off Tai Chi. Um, and if you have screwed up your balance, you fall over. Mm-hmm. Um and so one of the things that like when my teacher was training me this and I, my Kung Fu teacher was also my Tai Chi teacher. And so he would often like try to compare the two things. Um, and one of the things he used to talk about is like Tai Chi has a very like sticking energy, right? Like when you make physical contact with a person, you know, try to act as if you're like magnetically connected to them. Mm-hmm. And then, so, like, if you're always in physical contact with that person, you can always feel their weight at some instinctive level. And if you get really good at it, you can fight basically with your eyes closed or even if you can't see what they're doing from positioning because you always feel which way their weight is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes um, sense. And I will tell you, the number of times I've used this technique to push my dog around <laughs> is uh, not insignificant. <laughs> you heard it here first. Look, my tai dog, Chi my dog is, is the ultimate form of controlling your dog. Look, my dog is like 60 pounds. Mine, I love her to death. Mine's 90. Oh boy. Whiskey's <laughs> a some, big boy. You need some Tai Chi lessons, bro, because uh, it do. when uh when Jubilee wants to kind of she gets she gets a little hyped up and then she wants to chew on my hands. Um and and I and we're trying to not let her do that because we don't want her to chew on anybody else's hands. Although, as I keep pointing out to my wife, I am the only person she chews on. I don't know why. I think it's because I'm because you do and tai chi to her. Yeah, but she's yeah, like, right. "Oh, you do tai chi? Well, this is what I'm doing back, you jerk." Uh, so yeah, so the number of times I have like you know redirected her force or just like stick my hands in in an area where she can't get to, and I just follow her her positioning around it is hilarious um i don't know why any of this has to do with obi-wan but just you know for those of you dog owners that are having some problems maybe take some tai chi lessons 
Oh, am I going to watch um, what's his name? The Caesar, the dog whisperer is going to be doing like Tai Chi with a dog <laughs> next week. I did. I did have a Kung Fu wrestle fight with my dog one time. Um, and she did love it. Although we did break the couch. So that was the last time we were allowed to do that. Was that the dog's um, fault or uh, it was both. We both landed on it a little too hard. <laughs> Broke broke the uh, wooden bracer um, underneath, and I had to replace it. Bravo. So, yeah. There we go. Anyway, actually, there is kind of a point I can use to connect to this, because I have a theory about lightsaber combat, and I want to see what you think of it. And I can't remember if this is just something that I thought of in my head, or if this came from one of the books, but... Oftentimes, I think people criticize lightsaber fights because it's like, okay, so they're basically fighting each other with lightsabers. They're basically having a sword fight, and then occasionally they throw a force move in. Mm -hmm. And you would say, well, if you're a Jedi with all that control of the force, why wouldn't you use it more? Like in the way, like say Yoda does, right? Because obviously Yoda is using a lot of force when he's fighting because he can't move. <laughs> So why don't they all do that other than like the flipping and the occasional force push? But I think that anytime two Jedi are fighting, I think they're using the force constantly. Mm. And they're trying you just can't to yeah. see it. And I think the way I think Obi-Wan gives us the, the possibility of evidence to show this because in the fight between Reva and Vader, he takes her out just with the force <laughs> yes you know he doesn't draw his lightsaber he doesn't do nothing like every attack he she does he basically tai chi dogs her and is like nope you go that way you're gonna go this way you're gonna go that way and stab you know <laughs> yes like and it is an amazing show of power right mm-hmm and then you know i think the question could be like well then why why wouldn't he do that all the time? But then in the final duel, you see he tries to do it on Obi-Wan and then he snakes his way out of it. Yes. Okay, so you did catch that. You saw that. Yes. Okay, good. Because I was like, did anybody else see that? I don't know. No one's talking about this. I need to make sure someone else saw that. <laughs> and, and ironically, it is perhaps he does it doing the move that people make fun of all the time. The little Obi-Wan Anakin double spin thing. The yes. one that goes behind his back. And I thought whoever did the choreography for that is such a genius because it's the, it's the move everybody makes fun. I'm like, what's the point of that? And they just showed us. That's the point of it is that a lot of these spins and twirls are them redirecting mm -hmm. the force that they are also throwing at each other during the battle mm -hmm. that we just can't see. Yeah, I do like to see, you know, I guess in some sense, like Lauren Kendo, I've seen people win matches without hitting somebody. Hmm. Just on the pure sort of force of will, they essentially force their opponent back, right? So they're just pressuring their opponent so much, the person doesn't even realize they're backing up, and then they're out of the ring. And penalty. <laughs> <laughs> and they do that three more times and matches over because two penalties is a point, two points is over. And I'll be really? honest, I've fought people who've literally 
probably forced me back 30 feet in a gym without me even realizing. Really? It, the, the amount of pressure, especially when you get to these sixth, seventh degree black belts and kendo, all Japan champions, the f- sheer force of will that they can push on you mentally is amazing. That's, see, that sounds like some anime crap. <laughs> it does. Like, it's like, <laughs> people are listening to this, like, Nick is full of shit. Yeah. But no, it's true. <laughs> And, no, but I mean, that is yeah. that is true. There is always a mental component of combat, which is what like they talk about pretty much in probably every martial art that, yes, you know, you can you can win a fight without throwing a punch if you know how to deal your presence, you know, if you know how to, you know, take care of the situation, etc. But that is interesting that in a controlled environment, because I would have thought in a controlled environment, like a match, that wouldn't really be an issue. But it still is like you can see people who entirely win almost on force of will. Um, And they also use it so to create openings, right? Because they push the person so much, they can then just, you know, do a quick hesitation and the person will like go to block and that person will have read that block and get an easy clean hit. Mm. And so if I think about this, and you had the four, you know, being able to push someone mentally and physically with the force as you're fighting with the sword, that actually presents a very good theory about why you're seeing all these things in combat. Yeah. And why I think, you know, there's a lot of theories about, I mean, look, so there's, I don't like to get caught up too much in like lore arguments because sometimes like decisions we see on screen are 100% production, right? Like decisions were made because of it's a movie being made in reality and reality has limitations. So for example, like the original Obi-Wan versus uh, Vader duel in the Death Star is pretty basic, right? Yes. It's kind of some fencing moves. And there's like some physical limitations for that because, you know, the original Vader suit was extremely heavy. The Scottish dude inside could not see. Um, Alec Guinness is an old man. And um, the way they were doing the lightsabers is that they attached like this reflective material to the outside of a rotating rod. Yes. Uh, so obviously you got all those gizmos going at the same time. You're not going to be able to do like a cool wushu twirl. <laughs> no, and that's right? a lot of the reason why they went to Kendo. Because it's basically, right, this sort of more about controlling the center m- movement rather than jumping and twirling the sword and all that. It's like, hold the center, break the opponent's center, clean strike. Right. And then I remember Mark Hamill being told during the Empire Strikes Back that the the rule was the lightsaber always had to be held with two hands because it was just so powerful. Yes. Um, that, you know, the, the choreography never has them using one hand because it's just too strong, right? It's not like you're holding a flashlight. You're holding this thing with, like, a, apparently all this energy flowing through it. And there was, I think, talk at one point of gyroscopic forces. And, <laughs> you know, like, you can't just wave it willy-nilly. And then they went to make the prequels and went, nah, let them wave it willy-nilly. <laughs> We have the technology. Yeah. Um, so, like, there's that part. But, I mean, there's also discussions of, well, you know, why 
that you know Luke and Vader's fight isn't really a fight that Vader's basically toying with him the whole time uh because he's trying to convert him to the dark side yes um you know which is a valid point and um you know Vader's ability which I think they did a good job of showing it here obviously when you've you've lost all your limbs and you're walking around in a life support unit like you can't fight the way you used to um and so you have to rely more on the force and more and like both both like the force force and just like physical force right yes <laughs> like his his moves are a lot more choppy but i'm sure they are a lot harder to block oh for sure um but yeah i just i think that this this definition or this this viewpoint makes it cooler and i think it helps explain why we see what we see on screen. And I just think like it's a, and even that explanation is a very like anime explanation. I mean, it's like the Dragon Ball Z explanation of, you know, this is a very tense scene and all we're watching on screen is like some dudes looking around, like you're just watching their eyeballs move, but because they're moving so fast, so fast, your eye, no one can see them. And then, you know, we're eating it up like, yeah, so cool. And then when you really think about it, like, wait a minute, <laughs> you're, you're, you're being cool by not animating it. That's not fair. <laughs> right. They tricked us. Damn it. But I think, I think more fiction would benefit from using that kind of explanation. I, when I watched, um, Dr. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, have you seen that one? I don't yes. know. Do you follow your Marvel? Okay. So you remember the beginning when uh, Wanda is attacking uh, the Kamartage? Yes. And they got, they got the big old shield, right? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like they made such a big deal about like, oh, Wanda has the ability to bend reality. And Doctor Strange has been working on his ability to go through multiple dimensions and control time. And then basically, like, okay, well, she's shooting blasts at a shield. Like, that's not cool. That doesn't really show the depth of the power of the people involved, right? Yes. But if they had done that anime thing where it's like, but actually, every single blast is full of thousands of attempts to undo the shield, you know, on the, you know, take apart its runes, and then, you know, everybody holding it is not just powering the shield, but they're constantly casting counter spells, yes. thousands of them at a time. Like, that would have been like, whoa. But that's too much for, I think, our audiences. They've been like, what? <laughs> Maybe, but I'm just saying, like, it's a good way to do that. Like, it's a good way to increase the the skill by not having to really show anything different. No, I mean, just I, I agree with you. <laughs> I'm just maybe being a snob and looking down on audiences <laughs> in American Hollywood movies and being like, no, they're too stupid. I mean, it's, that's probably also a component of the, those decisions for sure. Yeah. Oh, boy. Um, anything else about lightsaber fighting i really enjoyed the um the flashback spar yes it was very good it had a sort of kung fu movie feel to it to me you know where they have the flashback where you're fighting the master and you remember things and then that mm -hmm. then gets brought out within the movie itself i thought that was sort of well done 
feel a little bit like an homage to what we see in a lot of the, you know, Hong Kong action movies. Yeah, yeah. The whole like you you don't know when to give up, Anakin. You don't have to prove. Yes. So much to everybody all the time. Um. And even I mean even the moment when they're back to back. As cheesy as that is, I felt like that kind of worked. It did. Because again, like, you know, they're they're making physical contact so they can feel each other's weight on their back, right? Mm-hmm. And they're both like, okay, well, who's going to move first and which way are they going to move? <laughs> yeah, because as you pivot, as you put your strength into one side or the other, the other person will detect it. Yeah, so it's like, okay, well, I don't want to move because I'm going to telegraph it. But also, I can't keep standing here. This is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um don't get back so really, to back uh, with your opponent in a sword fight important rule <laughs> generally just don't turn around in a fight yeah like if you can avoid it unless you're running yeah that's true i know it looks cool like the spin moves always look cool but you just generally don't want to put your back to the enemy if you can avoid it yeah, someone tried to do a spin move against me in Kendo once. And you just stab them immediately in the back? Oh, no, no, no. I wait till they were fully revolved and just super strong hit on the head. It's, <laughs> it's just like, oh, you telegraphed it. This is, I was like, I could have like, you know, those scenes where like I could have had tea, read the newspaper. <laughs> oh, bam. Oh, no. So, yeah. Uh, I would. I wish I could say I don't think I've if anything I was a I was a terrible martial artist. I was so slow to learn. I was so bad. I was that way for quite a long time too, so they um they tied my right arm to my waist for like 4 months. <laughs> Cuz they said, "You do everything with your right hand. It's like you don't know how to use your left hand." I'm like, "Well, I don't know. I'm right-handed." They went, "Come here." And I was a green belt at the time. They loosened my belt. They shoved it down. They tightened it and said, there, don't take it out of there until I say so. <laughs> and, like, it, what? and then they kept kicking at your right side the whole time. Yeah. Well, and then they made me do bull in the ring, which is when four guys attack you at once. Uh. <laughs> and I'm like, why? I only have one hand. <laughs> that was a very painful day. But I did get a lot better at using my left hand. <laughs> Sometimes the old ways work, I guess. Oh, it's like it's it's like the opposite of Asian school, right? So instead of tying your right, you know, they tie down the left hand, so you have to learn to write with your right. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. It's the opposite. Left-handed will not be allowed. It. Uh, that and I remember the the day my I had a couple of masters. There was like two or three at that school, and the main one was just looking at me like. Why do you do 12 hit combos? <laughs> it's like it's like three. Take them down in three. No more than three. <laughs> yeah. But it's cool. It's like you are six foot two. It's like you will probably need one, <laughs> but you'd get three. <laughs> and then he, every time I did more than three, I got in trouble. <laughs> That was actually one of the reasons why I switched to Kendo. Because basically, I was doing Aikido and Judo. And they'd be like, yes, you won the match. But you realize at this point, 
or at like several points, all you had to do was shove the person. And instead you try to throw them the other direction. Like you're always throwing in the exact wrong direction. Like, oh, you're falling. Let me throw you the other way. <laughs> Let me help you up. Exactly. Oh, you know that that I have now you're giving me flashbacks. I did I did do that also. Like I would hit him from the front and then I would hit him immediately on the back. It's like he was falling. Why did you stop him from falling? Hello there. Uh, all right. Well, um, any so other thoughts that we didn't get to in, in sort of those main main pieces? Mm, I don't know. I feel like we've turned this into martial art discussion hour. If you have your questions about kendo or tai chi, please call in. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I was thinking about Bail Organa. Uh, we saw a little bit more about the houses of Alderaan, which was good to see. Mm-hmm. Um, it is good to see Bale back. I mean, that's always a well done character. I yeah, think. although Jimmy Smith's is looking old, man. I mean, yeah, he looked really, really old. I hate to say that, but he looks old. It doesn't look like it was. Yeah, it was sort of shocking because I feel like Obi Wan. I mean, you and McGregor aged very well. Um, and Jimmy Smith is looking a little older, and I feel like oh, I don't know, man. Like <laughs> that that kind of ruined the illusion for me a little bit. And I was, I mean, I was complaining about that a little bit. I think in the Discord, like Obi Wan looks so young, and somebody pointed out to me is like, but Ewan McGregor is the actual age Obi Wan would have been at that time. <laughs> and I was like, oh crap. Yes. <laughs> but he also had all that wonderful. I don't think he has Botox. But he has probably very good skincare. That's quite true. Yeah. And not living in a desert. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> um main theme by John Williams, which I was surprised about. Um, because I think famously after episode nine, John Williams is like, Yeah, I'm not doing any more of these Star Warses. <laughs> well, the reason was good because he had never written Obi-Wan's theme. So it was sort of the completionist. Ah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so that was the reason why he'd come back is because there was no really Obi-Wan's theme. And so it was like, oh, this is the last piece of the original trilogy that I need to close up. Oh, I liked it. It's a good theme, too. Yeah. Um, Owen Lars. Very cool. Um, That actor, I got to give him props because, I mean, you know, the same guy from the prequel trilogy, and that part was like kind of a nothing part in the prequels. Yes. And then for him to come back and just be like the surly old farmer, I'm like, he totally nailed it. Uh, are we going to mention Special Forces Baru? <laughs> yeah, actually, I, I'm a little disappointed we didn't get more of her. <laughs> I, I think if we had more of her, the emperor would have been thrown down the shaft by her. <laughs> she just like <laughs> kicks her way into the imperial palace and just machine guns everybody down. I was like, holy cow. It's like, what are you looking for, my boy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the emperor is- now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, I don't know if people thought that was over the top. I liked it. I thought it was fun. Um, I enjoyed the path, those people, that character, the concept. Um, weird that they would toss a reference to Quinlan Voss out of nowhere. Oh, yeah, that was weird. But I was like, I'm like, you have to really be a diehard fan to know who Quinlan Voss is. Why would you mention it? Yeah, like there's a lot of other Jedis who've actually appeared in movies that they could mention. Unless this is Dave Filoni, like prepping us for, you know, the, the Voss miniseries. <laughs> or his appearance in Ahsoka or something like that. Oh, that's true. Oh. That I could see. That I could mm. see. That's that's you know what? You've cracked it. That's probably what it is. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, that's probably what it is, because he wants to set up that he survived Order 66. (sighs) Wow, I hate that you figured that out. Um, That's also like, I think I saw something on TikTok that was like, Dave Filoni, I know how you are, and I know how long it takes clones to age, and if you show me Rex dying on screen, we're going to have words. (laughs) (laughs) Because like, I know when when Ahsoka is taking place, and I've done the math on how long a clone would live. He's <laughs> oh like, and this is about the time. So I was like, if I have to watch Rex die on screen. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, crap, he totally is going to do that, too. But there will be a cool wolf. Yeah. Um, the load lifter, like that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, voiceless droid, but still fighting a good fight. Good character. Uh, yeah, we already talked about Alderaan and Tatooine. I think those are all the other like miscellaneous notes that I, I had come to mind. Um, oh, what's her name? Uh, Tala? Mm. I think um, I've really liked her in other series. Uh, she was in the BBC series. Was it BBC? It was with a British crime drama called Luther. Um, she did a very good job in that one. And so I was glad to see her get into a Star Wars series. Hmm. Yeah, I liked her too. I mean, we knew, you knew that like it was supposed to be the implied love interest. Yes. You knew she wasn't going to survive. Yes. (laughs) But I still fell for it. (laughs) I think because she was such a good actress. And her part was was good, you know, the imperial traitor who realized she was on the wrong side. Yep. Um. And I I fell for it. I'm like, I know this is not going to work out, but I really want this to work out. <laughs> and she died, of course, because I knew it was going to happen during the big raid battle, and of course she was going to have to hold the line. But then it was like she didn't have to hold the line, because then it was like, yeah, I guess that's oh, let's that's pause true. the shooting. <laughs> It was like, oh, that's like a waste of a character. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> I died for a car. All right, everybody. They blew themselves up. Stop shooting. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay. So um, when I was talking to Nick about doing this episode yesterday, I sent him an outline. Mm-hmm. And in the outline, there was something I just wrote. Surprise topic. Surprise. So, um, rebellion. (laughs) (laughs) 
So here, here is a surprise topic. Um, okay. Yes, it totally is. Okay. So I'm going to, uh, I'm just gonna, I'm, we're gonna, we're gonna jump into this and I and we'll, we'll talk about what you feel about this. Um, here we go. <laughs> オビアンの話はもう聞きたくない。ジェダイは僕を裏切った。君は違うだろう。あなたが分からない。アナキ。あんたを殺したくないんだ。私は共和国に忠誠を誓った民主主義だ。仲間にならないな。適当見るしかない
like how did I feel differently about it? Um, and what I think for me um, was interesting was that it did it brought into focus just how much Japanese influence there is in Star Wars. Mm. Um, and I know like a lot of it's intentional, right? Like Lucas very clearly copied certain things from Kurosawa. Um, there was intentional thought in the design of the Jedi. I mean, Vader's helmet is basically a samurai helmet. Um, and all that stuff. But when they're actually speaking Japanese, it really comes into focus visually, at least for me. Mm -hmm. Like, you can really, like, it really does make Obi-Wan's Jedi robe look more like a, like, you know, like a kimono or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, wow, that it really does, like, I don't know. In, in a way that when I'm watching the English, I don't think about it. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, having watched, I mean, to me, I've watched them all, so I guess I don't think about it to that level, but it'd be interesting uh -huh. to watch Obi-Wan. Actually, Book of Boba Fett in Japanese might be really interesting. Oh. Hmm. All right. I know what I'm doing in the coming weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be. Huh. Yeah, tell me how that goes. <laughs> I'm now I'm really curious. Yeah, I might start with the Mandalorian. Oh, that would be good too. Like just to see, because I think that Mandalorian has that sort of Yojimbo feel. So yeah, I yeah, think yeah, that yeah. could actually work. So I'll I'll start with that one. Or just jump to the Ahsoka episode where there's like very clearly. <laughs> <laughs> a very clear duel uh between two people in a garden yes <laughs> like okay feloni we get it you've seen japanese films there needs to be more petals falling from the tree um <laughs> uh, although that also does remind me of both because the ahsoka episode and obi-wan both use that move which i always thought would be cool to see which is where they turn off their lightsaber in the dark and then turn it on just to cut them down real quick and then turn it back off again yes that's a good move it is and it makes so much visual sense like of course that looks awesome like why wouldn't you always do that yeah i mean we got it in the last jedi too we did the turn off turn off oh yeah that's true oh yeah i forgot about that oh yeah I mean, it's just. I think the only, yeah. I mean, the only, the only other really cool one I I can think of is one of my favorite ones, um, which is when Qui Gon puts his lightsaber away. Mm. Um, he he goes twirl, 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 and he's like putting it away as it's still turning off. Yes, like, and it, like it turns off just in time. <laughs> could have been really like, bad. Yeah, like, uh, I hope you practice that one because you don't make that mistake you get to make that mistake exactly once and that's the last time you make a mistake <laughs> <laughs> all right well i think we have to uh we have to give a final overall rating here and of course um we use the s to f rank around here these parts so what will you rank it nick mm, a minus i think i would give it an a I think there's a lot go good going on. The things that bothered me, I mean, 
I can't really think of anything that really, really bothered me. Yeah, I mean, it's but it's it's not a bad scene. It's good. It's something yeah, it that's enjoyable. Sure. It's fun to watch. And like you said, it was like, oh, is it Wednesday? Yeah. Which I don't feel that very often anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'm watching Lord of the Rings, Ring of Power. And it's like, oh, it comes out on Friday. I'll get to it sometime. Yeah, I haven't even started it yet. Uh, there's a lot of mixed feelings. I'm enjoying it. But I can also see why people are not. Well, I'm not like a, I'm not a super Tolkien, like super fan. You know, I'm not one of those guys that has like the Silmarillion memorized. <laughs> it's like, that's not accurate. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. You fraud. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> I have never portrayed myself as a fantasy expert. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's probably going to, at least it won't be like when, when uh, the wheel of time was out and I kept asking people in the discord, like, was this in the book? And I was like, yes, that was very clearly in the book. I'm like, Oh, I thought they added that. I'm like, no, it's in the book. <laughs> I would be right there with you. Cause I like read it <laughs> once. and I can't remember a thing. I mean, that was like, and I read it like 20 years ago. I'm like, man, exactly. come on guys. Like, <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Somehow I can't remember that, but 20 years ago, I can remember reading the new Jedi order very clearly. Which one was that one? Oh, the whole series, right? The Yutan Vong, all 18 book, like oh. Vector Prime crashing the moon that, into Chewbacca. Is that Yuzhan Vong? Yeah. You know, that is literally when I... Like that time period is right exactly when I stopped reading Star Wars novels, like consistently. When was that published? Uh, like oh yeah, 90, like ninety nine. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of when I would have like been backing out of my reading Star Wars books phase of my life. That's actually when I was jumping back in because I'd been in Japan, right. and so I came back to us for college. I was like, "Holy cow! Look at all these books." <laughs> Star Wars is continuing on. And when you've been starved for that long, you're like, this is great stuff. I mean, I have nothing against those old legacy books. I think they're, I like, I still like a lot of them. I still have a lot of, well, I don't know. I, I am, I am hesitant to reread them. Mm, some of them will hold up. Yeah. I'm afraid that that'll ruin my, my memory of them. The X-Wing like, ones remember, do well. I I remember reading, I think it was about nine or ten years ago, I tried to read the Timothy Zahn book about the smugglers. Oh, the, the like, heist one? Yeah. The Ocean's you Eleven know, in uh, space? Yeah, like Han and Chewie and Lando and their crack team or whatever. Yes. I was, that, that was such trash. <laughs> I was like, it was what bad. is this? I remember and reading I was like, on my it's phone. Timothy Zahn. You know, heir to the Empire, like Admiral Thrawn, the only character from the legacy that managed to get over. <sighs> yeah. And then he he let me down. And then I tried to read that garbage Tarkin book. Oh, the Tarkin was hilariously so bad. Bad. The only book newer star wars book that i liked was um 
uh what's it called it's well it's, it's like the romeo and julia but there's their pilots story lost stars yeah i like that one it's a good one claudia great is great work yeah she's a good writer and and i was a sucker for that story i've been reading the like, high republic books yeah oh my son has one of those is it good it's a different enemy, which I actually like, right? Oh. It's something different. Different is good. I mean, it's not the usual force battles or droid armies. It's something quite different. Mm. Well, you know what? We're going to have to get you and Seamus on at the same time. We'll have to do Star Wars Book Club and we'll have to figure out <laughs> we'll to tackle that. Sounds good. And then, uh, you know, once once we finish Andor, I'm sure I'll drag you back around. Or And then, of course, you said uh, Visions 2 or something got announced? That supposedly was announced. I thought that would be the next time I was on. I was like, oh, I got a couple of years probably. <laughs> but no, Matt goes AWOL, and here I am, saving the day. Not Matt, me. Gonna have to re-record the song. Chit chat with Chris and Nick. Oh, interesting. I'm reading this article now. It says visions will be less anime, more global. Huh. Oh, because of Arcane. That's why they want the French to get in on this. In Ireland. But I'm okay with that because French and Irish animation are like. Yeah. Pretty good. Don't screw it up. I mean, I don't know. I'm 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 gonna allow myself to be optimistic about that. Yeah, I mean, I think you can't just have Japanese studios doing everything. We have studios from Africa, Chile, England. England. I don't need Star Wars Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> Star Wars Peppa Pig. Okay, we well, that's the perfect thing to end on. Star Wars Peppa Pig, everybody. Good night. <laughs> say say the thing. Say, say the say the thing. What's the thing? How we end the episode. Oh gosh, I'm forgetting. I'm drawing a blank. You have to say end of episode. Oh, that's right. End of episode. <laughs>